0: What's up guys? Welcome back to another episode of the Hoop Society podcast. I do apologize because I haven't uploaded an episode in the past week and a half, two weeks or so. It's been a busy time with work. I do have a full-time job, so I do that on top of all of this. But thank you for sticking around if you're watching right now. The Utah Jazz are playing really, really, really well. They've won uh, 20 of their past 21 games, which is super impressive. They're undefeated uh, when leading at the beginning of the third quarter. The Lakers had a similar streak last year. Um, just goes to show that they're really able to close out games, uh, which is probably one of the most impressive things to me. One of the problems with teams when we question whether or not they're contenders or pretenders is, uh, are they able to close out these close games? Are they able to secure these leads? And Hold them through the end of the game and so far the Utah Jazz have been able to do it Donovan Mitchell uh, I understand that really the the main thing that he's going to offer to a team is Scoring and defense that's really uh, his go-to he's a he's a solid distributor But I, I don't necessarily want him as my starting point guard I um, I think he plays better in an off-ball role uh, at shooting guard. He can definitely bring the ball up the court and facilitate for you uh, when you need him to. But having Mike Conley there, I mean, we're seeing Mike Conley play uh, basically the best basketball of his career. Uh, He's a a borderline all-star, in my opinion, and he's been getting the respect that he deserves, I think. I'm not sure he'll actually make the all-star team, which to me is sad because Mike Conley is just one of those players that it's impossible to like. Uh, Mike Conley is just one of the most likable players in the entire nba right now so he probably won't make the all-star game but that shouldn't detract from you know his success this season he's been a really 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 good player and on top of that they have rudy gobert who i i if you know me i'm a big critic of rudy gobert i i have questions about his offensive skill set Obviously, if you're a center in the NBA today, one of the things that that people want from their centers in the modern NBA is an ability to stretch the floor. And Rudy Gobert doesn't really do that. He's not a floor stretcher. He's not going to be hitting mid-range jumpers. He's not going to be able to um, hit post fadeaways or anything like that, like Joel Embiid um, or or some of these other big guys in the league. He's not going to be able to camp out in the corner for a three-pointer like Miles Turner is. Uh, But Rudy Gobert is easily, in my opinion, the defensive player of the year. He has been incredible this season Uh, his ability to run the pick and roll um, and catch lobs from Mike Conley I think that's one thing they were really missing last year was they didn't really have a good rim running big in Rudy Gobert not really someone who was able to run the pick and roll super effectively but this year they're doing it and I think that's the big difference is Rudy Gobert's offensive skill set has improved enough to the point where they're able to utilize him on the offensive end more and I was watching the game last night when they were playing the Clippers, and and he does, he does kind of struggle to finish at the rim sometimes, um, definitely an issue worth noting. Hi, Wilson, my cat, ow, oh, my cat just attacked my leg, oh, he wants to hop up here, oh, jeez, Wilson, okay, everyone, say hi to Wilson, he's my cat, decided to join us for the episode today, uh, anyways, so, I think that's just the biggest difference on the offensive end from for them from last year. He he does miss some layups at the rim that I think are easy makes uh, that he should be actually making. But the thing that's impressive to me is even though he's not always making these layups, he is getting the offensive board and getting good second chance opportunities. One thing I've noticed is he's getting those offensive boards and he's kicking out to people on the three point line particularly he would kick it out to Jordan Clarkson who Jordan Clarkson over 40% of his points are coming off of isos this year so this guy has been insane like he dropped 42 points uh, the other night super impressive stuff he's playing really efficient keep in mind they gave up a second round pick and Dante Exum to get Jordan Clarkson Jordan Clarkson is what Lou Williams was 2 3 years ago He's that guy who comes off the bench and he's just going to get you buckets. And they can they can use him in clo- closing lineups because he's, he's just going to make it. One thing that is super impressive to me about him is he's just creating his own shot. Rudy Gobert will come up and set a screen and Jordan Clarkson is going over the top of it and just pulling from the three-point line and draining them. I saw him miss. This dude's confidence is unmatched. I mean, I saw him miss one last night. He missed like three three-pointers in a row, and it was the same shot every single time. Missed three of them in a row, and you know they say Insanity is doing the same thing over and over again and expecting the same result. Well, not for Jordan Clarkson, because he gets that screen from Rudy Gobert, comes over the top of it, and just pulls it, and he drains it. He does that back-to-back possessions. Oh my gosh, Wilson. He does that on back-to-back possessions, and that's just... That's super good to have on your roster is is someone who's able to come off the bench and just give you a bucket whenever you need it. So really, really impressed with them. And and the question that people have been asking is, are they legitimate contenders for the finals? Or or could they actually beat the Lakers? Could they actually beat the Clippers? And I don't know if they'll meet the Clippers in the the playoffs. I don't know if they'll meet the Lakers in the playoffs. To me, it's contingent 100% on if Anthony Davis is healthy or not. It seems as though the Lakers have been playing their cards really close to the chest with the Anthony Davis injury. So, you know, I'm not sure if he's going to play again this season. They may just rest him for the entire regular season until the postseason and bring him back then. So if Anthony Davis is out, I see no reason why the Jazz couldn't potentially beat the Clay- the, the Lakers in the playoffs, potentially the Western Conference Finals. Obviously, you can't bet against LeBron because it's LeBron, but Rudy Gobert is better than any big man on their team, uh, defensively at least. Offensively, it's a different question. Obviously, Montrez Harrell is a better scorer than Rudy Gobert. Uh, Mark Gasol is a better distributor. It can stretch the floor better than Rudy Gobert, but Rudy Gobert is a lockdown defender. In a seven-game series, uh, you know, up against each other, it would be close. They have good players on their team, uh, the Lakers, outside of LeBron James. Kyle Kuzma's been playing fairly well this year. Dennis Schroeder's been doing his thing. Mark Gasol is probably the biggest concern to me. Mark Gasol has not really been the Mark Gasol that we saw on the Raptors. He is definitely up there in age now. Um, So that is definitely something that I'm concerned about for the Lakers. And if Anthony Davis doesn't come back, if this injury is worse than the clip or than the Lakers are letting on, I mean, it's the Jazz's series to lose. I mean, the West is wide open. If Anthony Davis is out because obviously the team that LeBron was on his first year with the Lakers is not the team that they have now in terms of supporting cast. But at the same time, I don't know if that team just has enough starting quality players to make the finals. LeBron James has taken worse players to the finals, but they're also in the Western Conference now. Uh, LeBron James, 2018 finals run. He was going up against the Eastern Conference teams who were definitely questionable. I I don't want to discount those Eastern Conference teams from, from 2018, but they definitely weren't as good as the West. The Western Conference is loaded this year. There's so many teams over playing over 500 basketball. You've got the Suns. Uh, excuse me. You've got the Suns. You've got the Clippers. You've got the Lakers. Portland is playing really well. The Spurs are playing really, really well. So, I mean, the, the Western Conference playoffs are going to be a bloodbath because, It's just so wide open with Anthony Davis out. It totally opens up the West. LeBron James is obviously uh, arguably the best player in the league. Still Uh, my concern with the Lakers with Anthony Davis out is that they're going to increase the load for LeBron James in order to keep home court advantage. And in 2018 or in 2019, LeBron had that groin injury. My concern is that they increase LeBron James Offensive load and they re aggravate that groin injury or a new injury flares up. He has had some problems with his ankles uh, recently as well as in last year's playoffs. So that is a concern. That's something you have to think about if you're the Lakers medical staff. That's something you have to think about if you're the coaching staff. Uh, In general, this Anthony Davis injury shakes up their entire game plan. Uh, I'm not sure really. If they should make any big trades, I mean, what trades can they make? Could they trade for Andre Drummond? I mean, the salaries are so messed up right now uh, on, on the Lakers. You've got so much top-heavy money in LeBron James and Anthony Davis. Uh, obviously, Contavious Caldwell-Pope is making a good amount of money now. Dennis Schroeder is making a decent amount of money. Hi, Wilson. Uh, it just it, it becomes a tricky situation to navigate around. Can you can you make trades with the way this team's salary is distributed to bolster that roster even more than it already is? I mean, they have a great supporting cast, I think, but is it a championship supporting cast? I think that's the question that all Lakers fans are going to have to ask uh, on the heels of this Anthony Davis injury. Up next, uh, what I want to talk about is the Atlanta Hawks. Uh, the Atlanta Hawks, are kind of a disappointment in my opinion this year they have not been good uh the atlanta hawks defense is not good the only solid to you know great defensive player that they have is clint capella outside of that you have trey young you have danilo gallinari you've got uh bogey who has been out um Cam Reddish has been all right defensively. DeAndre Hunter has been out. I believe he just got back into the rotation. Correct me if I'm wrong, Hawks fans. But that's concerning that they don't have any defense outside of Clint Capella. Clint Clint Capella can't play the entire game. He can't play a full 48 minutes. I mean, that's just absurd. So... Trey Young is a revolving door on defense. I mean, defenses get past him with ease. And in the playoffs, these these defensive liabilities are going to be targeted so hard. If they even make the playoffs, I'm not sure they're going to at this point. I think they could probably make the play in tournament. But I think it seems likely that they're either going to have to play Miami uh, or, or the Knicks or or some other solid Eastern Conference team, uh, maybe the Raptors. And if you have to face any of those teams and you're the Hawks, I mean, good luck. Uh, The Raptors are solid defensively. The Knicks have the best defensive rating in the entire league. Uh, I'm trying to think who else that they could potentially face in the play-in tournament. They have their work cut out for them, and I'm not convinced that they're actually a playoff team just yet. I think I was listening to The Mismatch, uh, which is a podcast with Kevin O'Connor and Chris Vernon, uh, both from The Ringer and... One thing they talked about is that they kind of rushed this rebuild. Uh, they grabbed these players that they thought were, you know, really good, uh, f- good free agents, good trade pieces that they can get in Bogdan and uh, uh, Gallinari, and they just kind of rushed it, and they didn't really think about the fit. They didn't think about their weaknesses that they have as a team. Uh, Bogey is not a good defensive player. Gallinari is aging, and he's not a good defensive player. He's also injury-prone. Uh they didn't really think about this. I think they they wanted to rush to get into the playoffs. And in my opinion, they should have waited another year. They should have had another bad year where Trey Young can continue to develop as a player. And then they start thinking about signing free agents. There's big free agent, uh, big free agent classes coming up. They could have just waited a year or two. This is a loaded draft. And now they're just going to be too middle of the pack to really, to really do anything. Um, and it just... It's a rough situation. I think they really need to fire the coach. Um, I don't think the players respect him. I don't think the players are buying into his system. And you talk about buying into a system. Look at the Knicks. Like, Tom, Tom Thibodeau has completely changed the culture in New York. Uh, the Knicks seem to be all on the same page. They're out there having fun. You're seeing them smile every night. Julius Randle was doing his post-game interview after having that great game, and they all came up and they're like, hey, this man should be an all-star. And I don't see that camaraderie with the Hawks. I mean, John Collins and Trey Young uh, reportedly had some beef with each other, and should they trade John? What can they trade John Collins for? John Collins hasn't gotten a, a big contract yet, so the money's going to be difficult to match. You would really only be able to trade for like a young player. And if they're trying to make win-now moves to get into the playoffs, it's going to be tough to, to build a trade around John Collins because the thing that I keep seeing popping up is a trade with the Oklahoma City Thunder. But right now, the Thunder don't really have any win-now pieces. Uh, you, could, you could maybe say George Hill or Trevor Ariza, but in my opinion, Trevor is way past his prime. Uh, George Hill kind of plays the same position as Trey Young. And I, I don't know if it's a good fit. I mean, George Hill definitely brings solid offense and, and good floor stretching. He's one of the best three-point shooters. Uh, last year, he was one of the best three-point shooters in the entire NBA. But it's just it's a difficult situation if you're the Hawks. And I'm not really sure if there's an answer. I think you definitely need a new coach. Um, and, you know, that's the least of their problems is, is the coach. Uh, there's obviously some chemistry issues. Um, there's obviously some, like I said, chemistry issues. There's some, uh, you know, fit issues, defensive issues, obviously. And it'll be interesting to see how they try to remedy this. I'm not really sure there's anything they could do before the trade deadline to fix the problems that they have. Do you trade for Andre Drummond? Then you have two centers, Clint Capella and Andre Drummond, and you don't want one of them running your power forward. Is Andre Drummond really a a, def- a good, solid defensive big that you'd want? Um you want someone that can run the pick and roll really well with Trey Young, and I think Clint Capella has been able to do that. I think Clint Capella and Trey Young is a good core to build around. I think John Collins is probably going to get moved, or he's just going to go into free agency. So we'll see what happens. I mean, I'm not holding my breath on them making the making the making the playoffs, honestly. It just doesn't seem likely. Another thing that I wanted to talk about that's been getting a lot of uh, radio time lately is Draymond Green's comments. Uh, If you missed it, Draymond Green basically criticized how teams have been resting Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin because they plan on trading those players. And he compared it to the James Harden situation where James Harden was phoning it in or not showing up and Kyrie was, was not showing up. And I think the... The intent with what Draymond was saying, I, the intent was there, and I guess I understand a little bit what he was saying. But at the same time, the situations are completely different. If you're trying to trade a player, you don't you don't play him 36 minutes a game. You don't want him to get injured. Then all the trade value is gone. Spencer Dinwiddie could have been a solid trade package or a trade piece in the James Harden trade, but he got injured, so he wasn't. Now. Andre Drummond and Blake Griffin are both going to be traded prior to the trade trade deadline or bought out. And I mean, do you want to injure those players and get nothing for them? So the comments didn't really make sense to me. I understand Draymond is trying to have a career in TV after basketball, which good for him. I think he'll be really good. I think he kind of plays devil's advocate a lot. He kind of, uh, says what i think a lot of players are thinking but he was way off the mark on this one you know you you don't you don't play someone 36 minutes a game and risk injury if you're trying to trade them it just makes no sense however little their trade value must be like uh, andre drummond is really really realistically only worth about a second round pick primarily because of his contract i understand he's a double double machine He's been having a decent enough season, but you know you don't play him 36 minutes if you're trying to trade him. He's going to get hurt. He could potentially get hurt, and then you get nothing for him. Same with Blake Griffin. You play him, he gets injured, especially a player like Blake Griffin, who's healthy right now. He's healthy, and he's been injury-plagued for the past couple of years. Do you want to get nothing for him? I mean, they could probably get a couple second-round picks, maybe a middling player, but it just makes no sense to play them. So I don't understand why Draymond chose this hill to die on because it just doesn't make any sense. It just doesn't make any sense at all, in my opinion. So off the mark on that one. And normally I like what I, I normally like what Draymond says uh, in most scenarios, but it just doesn't make sense to me. Moving on, I wanted to talk real quick about the oklahoma city thunder one trade that i've been seeing brought up is that the thunder could try to trade for john collins i mentioned it uh, about 10 minutes ago earlier in the podcast when we were talking about the hawks i don't know if that's the best idea if we're trying i'm an okc fan if you're not familiar so if i say we i'm referring to the thunder because i'm a fan i consider myself you know part of the fan base part of the team And I don't know if you're trying to tank and get the best lottery odds, because obviously this is such, such a loaded draft. You've got Jonathan Kaminga, Cade Cunningham, Evan Mobley, Jalen Green. There's just so many good players in this draft. So if you're trying to get the best odds, pairing Shea Gilgis-Alexander with John Collins, to me, that is a really good young core. That, to me, is a team that could fight for a play-in spot, especially with a player like Lou Dort, Darius Baisley still on the team. Al Horford has been playing good enough this year. I'll give him that. He's not been amazing, but he's been playing good enough. So if you're trying to tank, I don't think they should trade for John Collins. I personally wouldn't want us to trade for John Collins. Um, I think that puts us a little too high from where we want to be. And I'm not entirely sold on John Collins yet. I think John Collins is a really good player. He's probably going to be an all-star soon in his career, in the next three years at least. But that team would just be a little too good for my liking. So I don't really think OKC should make that trade. I understand a lot of fans want to see it because they think the Hawks could get good draft capital back, potentially a decent player. Uh, maybe even Al Horford. Uh, but to me, that's a concerning trade if I'm an OKC fan, which I am. Anyways, if you guys enjoyed this video, uh, excuse me, if you guys enjoyed this podcast, please be sure to leave a like, uh, follow, leave a rating. I haven't asked for any ratings yet on uh, the podcast, but apparently ratings really, really help. So if you've made it to the end, which I'm not sure anyone aside from me has listened to the podcast all the way through. I think I know a couple of people that have, but if you've made it this far, please be sure to leave a five-star rating. If you enjoyed it, uh, that helps me with the algorithm and all of that, uh, leave a five-star rating, leave a thumbs up. If you're watching on YouTube, leave a comment, let me know what you want me to talk about in the next one. Uh, and I'll see you guys in the next one. Thanks for watching. See you later.